Hello, old friends, new friends, and soon-to-be friends. I am Katie, and this is the Compassionate Caregiver Podcast. Today, we are talking about something all my friends had to listen to me talk about for so long because I read an excellent book, and I loved it, and I talked about it with everybody I could. It is Nonviolent Communication. This book by Marshall B. Rosenberg changed my life. It was amazing. It was fantastic. And I realized, wow, I am so violent in my language, especially with myself. I tend to be better with other people, but I am really, really, really awful with myself. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I hope that you can recognize ways to more lovingly and gently engage with yourself and maybe with your partners or in your life or your kids that you care for. It's so important to teach these skills early. So if you can model them for the children, they will begin to pick up on that and behave accordingly. They'll follow suit. Isn't that magical? You won't even have to teach them. You'll just do it and then they'll do it because it's like one big game of follow the leader. So the first thing that I would like to highlight, you might think, you know, I'm not that violent. I am. I'm fine. Here is something that the book suggests. Anytime you use an ED feeling word, you are using violent communication. I'm just going to let you think about that. I'm going to say that again. Anytime you use a feeling word that ends in an ED, you are using violent communication. It's crazy. It's crazy. I know people are like, well, I always say I feel. I was taught to say I feel this. Well, if you say I feel lied to, what you're really saying is not a feeling. You're actually accusing that person of lying to you. Mind blown, right? I feel attacked. What I'm actually saying is you attacked me. I feel betrayed. What I'm really saying is you betrayed me, right? It's crazy. It's this interesting mask we wear to still speak violently in these microaggressions to other people. So I, when I read that, I was like, oh no, whoa. It's, there's like a huge list of words in this book that they talk about are not actually feeling words or some that are. And I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I was having, a, at the time I had a really conflict-ridden relationship that I was trying so hard to be like a loving, like kind, loving person in that. It was so many years ago, because I've read this uh, maybe two years ago, but um, maybe three years ago now. But I, at the time I was having this really um, difficult relationship with a, a friend. And so I was trying so hard not to involve myself in any of that conflict. And then when I would get pulled in, I was trying to be loving. And I had just read this book. So I was like, what am I going to do? I don't know how to express anything (laughs) anymore. And so what I started saying all the time was, I feel sad. That was all I could say because I didn't know how to really get away, not get away with, but um, get around the ED feeling word. I was like, what am I going to do? So I realized when I thought about it, all of those feelings, lied to, betrayed, attacked, all of that for me boiled down to sad. 
And it's easier to remember one word. And let's be honest, as compassionate caregivers, we're tired. We got a lot going on. So I would start saying things like, oh, I'm just, I'm so sad. That makes me so sad. Or I feel, I feel sad, right? When this happens and this magical thing happened, this person in my life who really wanted to be kind of wanted to fight, which was so bizarre because I didn't really grow up that way with anybody who wanted to fight, you know? Some people just, they, they have things going on in their life and they are looking for a place to put their aggression. As I started saying that to my friend, like, I just, I feel so sad. They started easing up on any kind of aggressive action towards me or really even any of my friends too in our friend group. So it was really a powerful tool just to have this vulnerable moment and and it invited that person to be vulnerable too. And because they didn't feel attacked, what I learned through reading this book is they felt so attacked all the time by themselves in their mind that anything that was remotely like a non-flattering thing about them, even if it wasn't but they took it that way, it felt like an attack on them. So they would lash out this friend. So it's really a fascinating book. I definitely think you should read it. Um, so ED words, that's the first thing we're going to avoid is we're going to try not to say any ED words. Sad. You can even say, I feel bad. That's not quite the same thing, but I, I found it challenging. So I just stuck with sad. Um, afraid is another good one that I use sometimes. I feel afraid. Because scared is you scared me, right? I feel afraid that's different. Uh, nobody is at fault for that. Or there is no implied fault for that, which is important. Uh, here's another thing that is violent. The word should. Should is violent towards yourself. Should is violent towards other people. It implies that they're doing something wrong by not doing whatever it is you say they should be doing. I was the queen of that kind of violent behavior towards myself. In fact, when I read that chapter in the book uh, about internal violence, uh, I was like, boop, boop, ee, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, 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 it was like car alarms going off, right? I was like, oh, I'm so violent towards myself. And I consider myself a kind, loving person. I love being um, supportive to other people and available to them. And But Wow. When I realized how unkind I was to myself, I was, I knew that something needed to change. I was shocked. I was sad. <laughs> um, and I knew something had to change. So here are some ways. Those are a few things I wanted to note for you before we move into nonviolent, the steps of nonviolent communication, because it's a process that has four steps. So we're going to try not to use ED words. We are going to um, also try to never use the word should. And as a side note, Try never to use the word but because it actually invalidates whatever came before. That's really hard. It took me a year to stop saying the word but, and sometimes I still do it. But I see there. Uh, sometimes I still do it. I try to put a period at the end of the sentence where I would have put the word but, or I use the word and instead. So they can both be true. So that's a little tip to try. It's really hard. Uh, but I recommend it. So see, and I said it there too. Okay, nonviolent communication, a process in four steps. 
Number one, you want to say what you see. You want to talk about your observation of a situation or a behavior that is happening without a judgment or an evaluation of if it is good or bad. Here's another thing to note. In this observation statement, the words always and never are also very violent. It's crazy, mind-blowing, right? Say you always do this, you never do that. It's violent. You're accusing somebody of something. So don't ever try to do that. You want to say, I notice that sometimes, or you can even say specifically, I noticed last week that when I came home from the grocery store and I didn't have the exact flavor you wanted, or the flavor you asked me for, that you got really sad and you didn't want to talk to me for a few hours. So you talk to the person, step one, objective observation of what happened, right? Without the violence of should, always, never, or an ED word, right? You want to identify the emotions as step two, that it awakens in you. And this is where I just say, that makes me sad, right? Uh, it makes me so sad. It, yeah, so then putting those first two together, it would say, when I came home from the grocery store last week and I didn't have the flavor you asked me to buy you for your snack, you didn't talk to me for a few hours. That made me really sad. Those are steps one and two. The third step is identifying the need that you have that is linked to the first two. So what need do you have? Remember, a need is not something specific that can be achieved by another person. So for this, it might be a need for connection. It might be a need for communication. Do you see that it's not, I need you to talk to me. I need you to do this. It's, it's a generic, big, overarching need. So I have a need for connection. That's what it is for me. And communication, really. So you could say both. I have a need for communication and connection. And then on the fourth step, you say what it is you're going to request they do. And the book is very specific in requests versus demands. A demand is something that you're kind of bullying somebody into it. A request is something you are asking and they can say no. So a request might actually be a demand if they can't say no to you. So you have to be very careful that you're actually requesting because you're not going to force anyone to do anything. You want to inspire cooperation and teamwork through your love and connection with this person. So your request might sound like this. Next time when I go to the grocery store, would you be willing to give me a couple of flavors I could choose from in case they're out of them? Right? Did you hear that? Would you be willing? It's tricky. And here's the tip, they can say no. And if they say no, you say, okay, are you willing to help me think of some other ideas so that we can make sure that if there is the flavor that you want is out, that I can still have my need for connection and communication met and you can still have your need for, um, you know, whatever they might be actually feeling about that of acknowledgement or um, mattering, you know, being seen need for I a need for what would that be a need for for being acknowledged I think um yeah so 
let's put those all together, those four steps. The steps again were make the objective observation with no judgments, identify the emotions involved with no ED words, uh, identify the need that is linked to that emotion, and then ask for a request of like a change of behavior. So I noticed last week when I went to the grocery store and I couldn't come back with your specific flavor you wanted of your snack, you didn't talk to me for a few hours. That made me so sad. I have a need for connection and communication. Next time, would you be willing to give me a couple of extra flavors so that way when or if they're out of your flavor, your favorite flavor, I can still come home with something you like? And something that I do with kids and with adults is I like to invite people to say no to me so that they know that it's fine if they want to. And you can say, it's okay to say no. Or, or if you have a different idea, that's great too. So invite that kind of connection. Those are some important uh, ways that you can help talk around conflict before it becomes an issue. Because conflict isn't bad, you guys. Conflict is not bad. Conflict is an opportunity to learn more about someone you love. It's how we handle the conflict that matters. You want to connect with a person instead of drive each other further away. You want to communicate instead of hurt, right? And you can because you are a compassionate caregiver. If you have any questions or you want some help wording any specific um, conflict you'd like to address with a loved one, I am bound by confidentiality. I am a teacher. I have to be confidential. So if you want to um, connect and get some help looking over a wording about how you want to address a conflict, I'd be happy to do that with you. Uh, a quick note about this. First, please read this book. It's amazing. It reads kind of like a textbook, but it's really fantastic. Um, second, do know that if you are changing a, a deeply entrenched behavior pattern, some people might respond negatively at first, and that's okay because usually when people respond negatively, it's a sign that they have been violated boundary-wise emotionally, they've been bullied, or something has happened in their past where it hasn't been safe for them to share their feelings or to be heard. And that's kind of a an echo effect that you're getting as their loved one now. Um, usually this happens with parents or maybe a child who has not always been in your care. Um, children are, are quicker to forgive and, and change and adjust than adults are because their brains are uh, more able and more willing to learn new things. So be patient with your adult loved ones in your life. There, You might get some resistance. They might be wanting to say things like, what are you, my therapist? Or are we going to have to talk about my feelings now? And then, you know, you can reflect back that feeling to them. You can say, I, I'm getting the sense that you don't want to talk about your feelings right now. That's okay. Like, we can talk about this whenever you're ready or you want to um, because I love you. So it is interesting to see. You'll see where the hurt lies as you try to right the ship and use these skills to help love on the people around you. I hope this helps. Please write in if you need anything or you want to hear more. I could talk about this all day. We could have a phone call. Um, okay, I will talk to you next week. And thank you for listening. Bye.